It's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Well, Ray, it's a bit different today. Everyone's used to seeing after the rockin' music, Kristen and Elizabeth, but today is our fifth anniversary. Can you dig that? I mean, I want you to think about that. Five years ago, well, five years ago last December, you so stuck me into PTSD flashbacks that I came up with the idea of pillars. Five years later, where have we come? We are here. And I, I wanted everyone to see. That's why I'm wearing these glasses. They can see my screen now. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Old Fred would say, the less they see of your face, the better. But, you know, the new Fred yeah, would say. Well, but I, I, I got to ask you now. You saw the picture of me on the, uh, on the promo there. And five years later, better or worse? Well, yeah, Daisy's cleaned you up, fed you, made your hair cut, even put some makeup on you. You got married again. That was the whole point of this. And Well, the that's initial right, that's point. Right. <laughs> well, part of it anyway. <laughs> and then after three years and you got married, and it was like, well, what are we going to do? And wow, started a brokerage, started a mentoring program, buying crap. We really kind of, we even went through COVID. Ooh. Got to have a remembrance of our mask. Is, uh, is that why you're wearing a mask? Yeah. I thought it was maybe you uh, didn't want to share your germs with everybody. Now, there just, just a study, a meta study out that showed masking had no no useful effect. Washing your hands did. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. so yeah. we got our, we have our first guest ever in Michelle Rempel. We've got our right. first female franchisee ever in Kristen, who is also Shometsi. How's that? <laughs> I finally got it right once. Four hours of practicing. Um, Kristen was also our not only our first female franchisee on, she was also our first emergency co-host when she found out, no, she was the co-host because you weren't going to make it. And then she kind of took over and became CEO of um, Pillars of Franchising. Hmm. Yes. Baptism by fire. That. We had Elizabeth Denham on. She was our first publisher of a franchise magazine. Yes. And she was on one of the most infamous shows ever where I will not repeat what I said because everybody hated me for it, but she still came back, which means either I'm <laughs> likable or she's a nut job. And? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it takes a little bit of the, the latter to be on the show anyway. Takes a lot of the latter to be on this show. <laughs> And not, not maybe the last one mentioned, but not the least, she is the first and I think only guest we have ever had on who went from starting a business to growing a business to turning it into a franchisor and then selling the franchisor to an even bigger one. So we got a <laughs> real power pack. Shall we get started? Why not? Well, we'll see if I can hit the right button. Hot. 
take that. <laughs> so, do you want to start out with the first question, Ray? Sure. Kristen. Yes? That is a really nice shirt you have on. <laughs> Tell I us all about it. <laughs> yes, my shirt is the new Pillars of Franchising shirt. I am certain to rep this shirt anywhere we go when we're meeting with franchise folks, whether it be at the Titus Center for Franchising, IFA, any broker meetings, so that we can help build our brand awareness. Excellent. That is really cool. I like the outfit. I Thanks. like the hat. And my hat, my friend Brian, who's um, in the Air National Guard, bought this for me when we were downtown in Chicago. Where's the Pillars logo on it? Never mind. Oh, this doesn't have any room for a logo. Yeah, I don't but it matches perfectly. It does. It does. It's got. It's one of the blues of the logo. All That's right. right. What question are you gonna ask to the uh, next guest, Ray? You can't go with the g- cool hat and shirt with everyone else, so you're kind of. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There. I got <laughs> easy. Well, I think we should we should at least talk to our very first guest. And that is Michelle. And Michelle, what's it been like? Because you, although you were the first guest, you've been behind the scenes in a lot of a lot of the shows. Why don't you tell us what it's like being behind this, being behind Fred? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Fred's highness. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least there's no D. I. Cannot believe it's been five years. It's crazy. When when it was mentioned that it was five years, I was just kind of sat there for a minute thinking, what? How can that possibly be? That's possible. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Uh, as far as um, what it's been like behind the scenes, mostly it has been me on the other side of the wall hearing things, <laughs> um, you know, uh, during the show, possibly, uh, or before the show uh, with setup and uh, hearing, you know, perhaps hearing a little swearing here and there, maybe some things thrown around. I, I'm just saying, you know, it's possible. Uh, uh, because, you know, every week, apparently there's, you know, something that can go wrong or might go wrong or <laughs> could be challenging <laughs> or whatever the case may be. So, uh but five years of production is amazing, and it's really fun to be here five years after being the first guest. I'm I, again, I'm still, I'm just kind of floored. So, yeah. Congratulations. I mean, seriously, wow. amazing. Well, and, and the way we started out was just audio. Right. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Yep. Now, now, what do we call ourselves? We're not a podcast, are we? We're, We're a, a live lot stream. of stream. A what? A live stream. A live stream. We're a live stream now. Right. So, uh, I, and I still call it a podcast, but when I talk to people, and uh, I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> the problem is, people are saying now, there's too many podcasts. So, you got to change yeah. your lingo to say, we're not a podcast, we're a live stream. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We need to do that. I think I think one of the things that Fred probably should threaten to do is turn on the mic in the green room. 
<laughs> How do you know I haven't been doing that for the internet radio broadcast? So, so sometimes the uh, pre and, and post show is better than the show. <laughs> Put it on as a blooper roll. Yeah. Like I said, you guys got no clue if this has been going out live on the internet shoutcast radio server. So, you know, who knows? And yeah, that's yeah. never recorded. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's why I try to keep my political comments to myself. <laughs> Bye. Come on, you got two more guests to go through before I... Oh, I'm going to let you handle the next one, Fred. <sighs> All right. I know what Elizabeth's been doing, so I'm not going to go to her next. I'm going to go to Andrea. Andrea, when you first, I don't know, were somebody stuck a gun in your back and pushed you onto the show, you were the CEO of SCOA, a franchisor. What's happened since you've come back, since that first time you are on the show, what's happened in your life? Well, where, where can I start? Where, where do I start? Where do I end? Um, well, since I was on the show, um, I try to remember, because I, I went on a couple of different times when I was with, um, when we were partnered with Franworth and then ultimately sold to Franworth, um, who I, I still talk to all the time and, and great people there. Um, and I, I actually started working on a consulting basis kind of accidentally because to be honest, I wasn't too sure at that time what, um, what I was or who I was aside from what I'd been doing for 20 years and actually ended up doing some consulting work or contract work with Massage Heights and a couple of other brands and then um, woven brands and um, I think Matt's been on the show before um, on the supplier side with his operational management software. And then also now um, doing some work with Almond Nail Bar, um, which is a company out of Canada that's growing really quickly, opening 14 locations in the next two quarters. And then, yeah, a dozen open now, and then actually also opening in Ho Chi Minh City in April. So, yeah, just been doing a lot of different things and really enjoying, um, I think, lifting my head up and seeing just how, um, I guess, just how embraceive the community of franchising is in terms of, um, you know, once you're in it, it's kind of a unique skill set and it's difficult to find people that understand just all of the twists and turns that happen within the franchising business model. And so I think, um, you know, once you're in it, if something happens along the way that puts you in a situation where you're, you know, stepping outside of maybe the path you thought you might take, there's actually a million other paths you can take. I never would have imagined that I would have loved being on the supplier side so much and working with so many different franchisees as well. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I think it's been pretty interesting and pretty fun and just not what I would have imagined. And I think that's just life. You just got to be open to the possibilities. So rumor has it that Ray is going to push you to co-write the Pillars of Franchising, How to Become a Franchisor book. Want to comment oh. on that? All right. Um, <laughs> That's news to both of us, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, okay, maybe it I'm great. in. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, I just, I just, I'm going to graduate with my CFE this, at this next IFA, and I, 
um, I was so nervous about the test because I just hadn't written an exam for so long. And I studied that, that book so hard and I have to say it is so good. I don't know if you've read it lately, but I sent it to so many people I, I'm working with, just different chapters. I found it to be amazing. So I feel like now I know how to be a franchisor. So it's fresh in my mind. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so you read yeah, the book. I think you already wrote the book, though. I think the IFA actually wrote the book, but, but we'll write a different book. We'll write, write a okay. more entertaining version. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> of course, i got to say, um, if you read the book and you feel like you can be a franchisor, what about the people who read the book but don't because, don't have your experience? Never mind. <laughs> Some people will realize that it's not for them. Like I said, as far as I can tell, you are the only person we have ever had on who started out as a small business and ended up selling a franchise system. Thank you. Absolutely. We got to do this. So, to the woman that's drinking, Elizabeth, when you first got, you first got, well, no, we didn't, we're not saying what Kristen's drinking. Never mind. Here, uh, I have tea. It is legit tea. <laughs> Long Island? Hmm. Nope. Okay. So, when you we're first, not together. <laughs> why not? Never mind. Maybe um, we are. If we were together, that's more of a problem. <laughs> problem or solution? Never mind. Right. So when you were first on, Elizabeth, you were the publisher of a digital magazine on franchising. Yep. What's happened since then? Well, as Andrea says, where do you start? So many ups and downs. Um, but... You know, I had been a permanent co-host, I guess, on Pillars, I guess, almost about three years ago, I guess. It's hard to believe that's been that long. Um, took a little foray off into some publishing, and then um, when that did not go as planned, um, came right back into Pillars and was able to start the Pillars of Franchising magazine. So you land where you're supposed to be sometimes, I think, even if you don't expect or plan. Um, and I think that's part of why I enjoy publishing and content and that kind of thing. I mean, one of the things that drew me to Pillars in the first place was the story of two men who started a podcast to overcome grief. Um, I think it's a hugely compelling story. I've talked about it multiple times in the show because I think it is important. It's not a story that you hear frequently among two men friends. Um, and I think that's really compelling. And I think the fact that that's what it launched from, oh, I know, blah, blah, blah. But that's what I do. I like the story. And I think those are important stories. Those are stories of hope and overcoming and success and progress. And those are the kinds of stories that I try to tell in the Pillars of Franchising magazine, because I think that's what makes other people believe they can do it. Um, and then you watch, you watch the evolution of the show and the people who were able to get on and the the, the big names and the small new franchisees, but you also watch the evolution of the team and you see the show that started in a, in a, as a way of coping with grief and to raise finding happiness in a new marriage and enjoy growing a team of people who are, who are friends and coworkers and enjoy when we can get together. And so 
you know, for me, it's, it's about more than just the business. It's about the team and the, the people who are on it that tell the stories of others and, and value those things in terms of growing successful business. <laughs> so now we go to Kristen. Yes. Our first female franchisee guest and the woman who stupidly took the phone call when I said, oh, my God. Ray's not going to make it. you got to be a co-host. And Kristen says, okay. And then she gets in and realizes we have a guest. She's not a guest. She's actually doing Ray impersonations. So, Kristen. <laughs> you impersonated me? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, what was it like that first time when you impersonated Ray? You know, um... Hard to do. I try to look at this show from the perspective of who I think and hope is listening, and that's people who are interested in franchising, people who are trying to feel like it's franchising good for them. And so when you first put me on that task, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And foolishly, I don't even remember who was my first interview. Um, and I should probably know that. However, I can tell you that um, – I asked them questions that I thought a potential franchisee or a franchisee would ask, right? Because that was my paradigm. That's what I knew. And I think a lot of people want to know those types of questions. Like, I don't need to know about your marketing fund and, you know, what comes in your grand opening package. And I don't need to know all of your FDD items. But there are a couple of core things that I need to know. And so, and I didn't want to get, I mean, some people don't even know what an SDD is, right? So we didn't even go there. We just talk about, hey, why would I want to buy your model? And like, what is it? And who buys it? And how much is it? And where can I go? You know, and what's my life like if I buy it? Do I have to work nights and weekends? Because that's a big deal to me. I, I, I think one of the things that uh, the show presents to our audience is, what does a typical franchise or business owner look like, you know, and here we are, ordinary people, just with uh, an ambitious set of goals and drive that, uh, that moves us forward. And uh, I, I think this show is here to present that to people out in, the, in our audience who may be on the edge yeah. and, and thinking, you know, uh, you have to be someone or something special to be a business owner, to be a franchise owner, and you don't. Yeah, I mean, remember, I was a hockey mom, a Cub Scout leader, right? Like, I just wanted a career that allowed me to be my own boss, have work-life balance, and be there for my kids. Because yeah. the existing job I had was not, I had to work what they told me, and I needed to work what I needed and what my kids needed. And so it was you know, I tried to find a model that was friendly, family friendly. And, you know, if you have a strong franchisor with a strong playbook and you have relatively strong HR people skills and operational skills, um, and you've got some experience with finances, there's a lot of great things out there that you can do. Not all of them cost you your house. I mean, some of them are very affordable. I think what the thing that people need the most is, uh, and we've mentioned this on the show before, is fire in the belly. 
They've got to have the the, uh, the fire to to get started to find the ways to do things because they may not know all the ways. We didn't. I certainly didn't know all the ways of financing and and uh, all the things that I know now to to uh, keep the business rolling along through all the ups and downs that we've had. And if you have that fire, you find the way. You mm-hmm. keep on looking, you keep on searching, you keep on digging until you find the right way. Yep. Agreed. So then back to Michelle. It's been five years since I said, you know what? I'm going to see if he wants to do a podcast. What have you been doing in the last five years? What's the big things that have hit you? What? Uh, well, I've been watching, you know, the Pillars uh, program grow, as well as just all of the different things that you're doing, and it's amazing. Um, as far as uh, our company, West Fine Marketing, Web Design, etc., um, it's just been it's been a wild ride. You know, we we have expanded what we do for our clients we've taken on some different types of clients we've learned a lot more because let's face it in the last five years there's been huge changes in social media even just in the last five years right i mean hello when we started had we heard of tiktok no (laughs) now it's everywhere did instagram oh hell no no they did not (laughs) did facebook have stories no, they didn't. In five years, uh, it's been amazing how much has changed in just in the marketing channel landscape and all of the things that we can do with clients, for clients, uh, and we just keep learning. So it's been uh, a world. That's why I think I'm so amazed that it's been five years because it's been kind of a kind of a whirlwind of learning and creating and changing and adapting, just like you know, just like the Pillar Show, really. Mm-hmm. So been fun and challenging at the same time. Oh, oh, and there was that pandemic thing in the middle of all of it. <laughs> yeah, so. pandemic. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, yes, you can take that mask off now, please. Go ahead. You can <laughs> ask, since I went through everyone and asked my first question, you can take another question, my friend. Oh, well, I, 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 I think the, we, we talked a little bit about the fire in the belly, so I, I probably want to go a little bit of back to that and uh, say, basically, if you if you don't have that, no matter what your goals are in life, not just starting a business or going or a franchise, if you don't if you don't look forward to those and, and begin to plan for the future, uh, in my case, uh, I, I know I mentioned it on the show that uh, I was 55 and I was just laid off from a fantastic, absolutely wonderful job, which I, which I love uh, working for uh, a company called Telabs, which now does not exist. Um, at that age, nobody wants to hire you and you are probably on the cusp of not having enough money to retire. So, that was my goal is to look towards the future as as you can see the, the life of ray i just got back from uh, phoenix and just before, prior to that i just got back from biloxi 
and Orange Beach, uh, and my wife and I are having a wonderful time. But these are things that were planned for. Not, it, it, I'm not going to say it came, it comes easy or it came easy. There was a lot of hard work that was involved in that. So I, I think Kristen, will you agree with me that there is planning and there is hard work that is involved in that? And oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we think about when we work with somebody who wants to buy a franchise, right? The first thing that I'll ask them is, so where do you see yourself and your family in the in five years and in 10 years? Because that's really critical, not only to have an exit strategy, but under, understand what do you want your lifestyle to be like? Because if, if you're young and you want to stay active and you want to be super involved in your business, maybe a retail model or a QSR model is okay because you want to be in it. But if you're, you know, I started, oh my goodness, when was I, 40 something, 40-ish, let's say, when I started my business, and for me, I was looking like I want to be retired by 55. That was my goal, right? It was my dad's goal. He didn't make it, so then it became my goal, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was all about being able to design. You know, Dina Dwyer said it in her book, right? If you remember, she did think for us, design your own life. And it really makes you stop and think, like, where do I want to be? And I think people have to do some introspective um, work and Right now, Ray, is a, I just read another blurb about all, what does it say, like the bosses are back, something like that, right? And, and they're not allowing you to work remotely. And so I think a lot of people are going to have to have that tough conversation with themselves and with their spouses about what are we going to do now? Because things are changing again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to think about where, where is it? Five, 10 years, 15 years? I'm going to be at 20 years pretty soon. Um, what does that look like for everyone? Yeah. You have options, right? We're in a place where you have options. I know a lot of people, friends of mine, that couldn't wait for their retirement at 65. Oh, boy. That you're, that's, all you're, that's all they talked about. So they get to that age, they retire, and they get the, the gold watch, maybe. <laughs> but they go home, they watch, watch TV and drink beer, and then end up in the hospital and die, <laughs> you know. So you've got to plan beyond that. And yeah. if, if you don't, if you don't, that's what's going to happen. Sure. And some personalities require that even once you retire, you have something to keep you engaged, right? And again, Absolutely. that's about choosing the right franchise model that fits you, that you mm-hmm. can back away from, but you're not completely out of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I, I definitely have enough to keep me busy, that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm trying to understand what the question was that you were going to ask everyone. Well, as usual, Fred, I am uh, not making a question, asking a question as much as I'm making a statement. <sighs> All right. so I'll, put, I'll put the next question in your lap. I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd do that. So, ladies. What's one thing, what's one, the biggest positive lesson you've learned from the biggest setback you've had? Mm-hmm. So um, who should go, who did, I picked, I picked Andrea last time, so I'm going to let her slide this time. I'll go to Elizabeth this time. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to start with me. <laughs> So I have, I have this blog, right? It's called The Gift of the Struggles. It's a podcast of 
uh, separate from this one that's about this question and it's about finding the gifts in the struggles and so because I've had so many <laughs> over the last 20 years there's so many to choose from but I think one of my bigger ones in terms of business in the last several years has been not finding success in my first publication in the way that I wanted to and I think to, to raise point of fire in the belly I think that what sets people apart for myself, but also for all of the people that we've interviewed on this show and interviewed in the magazine is the unwillingness to give up and the firm belief that you have something to say. I've, I've tried to teach this to my children when my, one of my children is in um, journalism and the first time she ever published something publicly and got negative feedback, she called me for sympathy and I said, well, here's the deal. I was less than sympathetic because she needed to hear it. I said, do you feel that you have something to say that is valuable? And if you do, then you're going to have to ignore that noise. If your skin is not thick enough to listen to that or to ignore it, then you need to find something else to do. So I think when you're in business ownership, the ability to not waver in the face of naysayers or doubters, even self-doubt, um, those, those are the people who sustain. There's Failure doesn't exist unless you give up, really. So I think that the lesson I would have taken from that experience, but also from a lot of others along the way, you know, failed marriage, failed businesses, failed relationships, all of it is learning from it and then believing that you have something to say or do that's valuable and not giving up and not listening to the naysayer. So, so being too stupid to quit. Or that, or that. That's the other end of the spectrum. Hashtag too stupid to quit, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, if you do fail, whatever that failure is, if you haven't learned something from it, then it's truly a failure. But you need to learn. I mean, obviously, every time you do fail, that's a stepping stone. Yeah. And you're not going to do the same thing again unless you're a cat getting on a hot stove. Well, exactly. And that's where the title of my podcast came from in my blog, The Gift of the Struggle. There are, it's sometimes very hard to find. I have struggles where I haven't quite found the gift yet, but, but I know it's there and I know eventually I will find it. And I think having the faith that there is a gift that I will gain something or learn a lesson from it is what keeps me going in the face of not being able to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we all believe those things, then when you do have the setbacks in business or in life, you you have the fortitude to keep going. Yep. Cat on a hot stove? Never mind. Michelle, <laughs> what about you? I know I'm aging myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, first of all, I I love 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 the title of the blog and podcast, The Gift of the Struggle, because it's so it's so ap- apropos. I guess that's the word I would think of. Um, it being a business owner, not a franchise owner, but a business owner, uh, certainly many many struggles, many many ups and downs, and certainly some failures in there. Um, but yeah, I would have to say that every failure has, for the most part, anyway, come with um, some sort of lesson in terms of becoming more efficient or becoming stronger with my word 
becoming more discerning about maybe projects or clients that we take on, um, maybe just kicking myself in the butt and saying, you know what, you kind of fell down there and what the heck was going on with you? Uh, next time you need to be a little more alert in this area or be more, um, be less distracted, you know, be more driving uh, in a certain area. So yeah, with every struggle, every failure, I guess you would call it, um, there is, for me, it's a, uh, an encouragement to improve <laughs> mm -hmm. and, um, and be humble. Uh, not, I mean, I'm not that I'm not, you know, not that I'm all like all about me, but, you know, certainly sometimes uh, we can all use a dose of humility too. So uh, that I have found to be, you know, because I like to be in control. Fred will always say that I love to be in control. And sometimes uh, that is not the best way to be. So Run away! Run humility and uh, uh, a lesson to be better at whatever it is. Yeah. All right. So since I started with Andrea first last time, I'm going to save her for last, even though Chris, Kristen got picked on by Ray with his non-question. So Kristen, what about you? Okay. So you want to know what was the struggle, right? What's and what it taught you? What's the biggest what's the biggest negative thing that you've run into that brought a positive? Well, so I'll tell you, um, we opened business in 2007, which if everybody remembers back in those times, 2007 hadn't quite crashed yet. 2008 and 9 sure did. And um, we were lucky enough and not lucky enough to um, Decide on our own. First of all, we had the wrong kind of lawyer review our FDD. We did not have a franchise um, financial advisor. Um, we did it on our own, leveraged our own stuff our own way. Um, because the thought was, well, if it's ours and we have it, then we don't owe a bank. Well, the problem is at some point, because 08 and 09, the, the demands of what's required your first couple of years in a franchise, your pockets have to be so deep. And as a new franchisee, you're really worried about making sure you don't default on your franchise agreement. And so we were throwing good money at that, at marketing. I mean, it was just stupid money that we were throwing at marketing. And, People are worried about how they're going to live in their house. They didn't care if it was clean, right? And so um, we wound up pulling equity out of our house. And at that time, so my 401k was rolled into the business. All the equity in my house was rolled into the business. And we were still just, you know, trying to make the best we could out of the situation. And we finally wound up having to short sale our house because we just couldn't, we couldn't do it anymore. And my husband had a great job, uh, very high stress job, but it was a great job. And you know, we had an au pair helping us with our kids because that happened to be the cheapest route, paying her 15 hours of overtime when 
you know, that meant their contract says they can work 45. I was working 60 hours a week to get this business up and going. Now, all of that happened. And then perseverance kicked in, right? So 2010 rolls around, barely surviving. But my neighbor crashes. She's got $10,000 left to her name. She can't make it either. We do an acquisition. Seems a little silly at the time because you're barely making it. But we were able to make an acquisition because she has some really great territory. So it was like, you know, one step forward, three steps back kind of thing. We kind of kept teeter-tottering. Um, and then when we finally came out of all of that, COVID hit. <laughs> well, I've been there before. So the best gift, if you want to say, in that whole struggle and losing the house we had hoped to be, you know, memories for all of our kids for all of these years out in the woods. Well, all of that fell apart and was devastating. When COVID came, I was able to keep all but two of my employees. We were able to ride out the storm. And then now here we are in this little mini recession. It, it may go full recession, who's to say? I mean, everything else is going crazy at this point. I don't know what's coming, but I know I'm in a far better position than I was back in 08 and 09. So I think starting out as a failure right from the beginning has helped me be a better owner. And since we've got two additional territories, we have four. Um, that's kind of been my story, Fred. And that's what I want to be able to share with other people, right? I mean, that's just be honest and true and real with people so they know, like, this could really happen. I love it. Andrea. Bring it on. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm going to go to one of my, my values, which is to keep moving forward. And probably a lot of people have that as one of their values. And um, I, I have definitely in the last five years, you know, gone through a lot of change and challenges. Um, you know, a very difficult divorce and lost my, lost my dad not that long before that. And, um, you know, my, my nephew and just quite a few things that would be categorized as challenging. Um, you know, had a challenge with my house in a similar way. And, you know, just a lot of things happened. And even moving on from your business, um, you know, even if, if it's the right thing, it comes with a lot of um, hardship in a lot of ways. You're sort of left wondering who you are. And it was hard to figure out where I started and stopped relative to a business I've been attached to for 20 years. But what I mean by keep moving forward, I think what I learned from that is that you, you got to keep moving forward and trust in the process that there's something on the other side of whatever you're experiencing, because I do believe there's a, a greater path for everyone that is far beyond what we are able to control or know. But you've got to trust in the process with action. You can't just sit there and wait for something good to happen. You have to, you've got to hustle and you've got to work and figure out what it is that you want and get really clear on that. And, you know, I, I thought that I was strong and people would tell me you're strong because you go through these hard things. But the thing is I had to be because I have four kids and I was a single parent and I had to figure that out. But then um, last year, as you all know, um, you, if you've seen the show before, you probably wondered I was not wearing a hat because 
Ray wanted us to. I, I didn't have any hair. I went through, um, well, I've gone through 19 rounds of chemo. I have two more and I am fine. And, you know, surgery and 25 rounds of radiation. And what I realized from that um, is that, you know, I learned that I didn't actually have to be strong when I went through that, but I am strong because I, that's how I was. I went through it and I felt good and I felt strong because I realized that I totally accepted any outcome. So even though um, I might die from this, I, I'm okay with that outcome because I've learned that path that I'm on is to some extent out of my control. I'm still taking a lot of action. I mean, the treatment program and continuing to keep working has been like actually a big part of what I need to do to keep me going. But before I didn't know if I was strong or if I just had to be, whereas with this, if there was ever a time in my life where I didn't have to be strong because I could maybe just okay, maybe now is a good time to let like someone else just help. Um, I actually realized I, I was actually strong. And that was really, really a good thing for me, I think, in life to have learned about myself. Um, and I wouldn't have learned that if I didn't go through something that was actually quite difficult. Because sometimes you go through things you think are hard, then you go through something harder, like, well, that was not hard. This is hard, <laughs> right? So, um, that, that would be my answer. From Fred's perspective, you're one tough DOB. And normally the <laughs> SO is in there, but that would be just, never mind. So, Ray, <laughs> I'm going to let you answer the question, and then I'm going to take us to a commercial, and we'll come back. So go ahead, and, and you, oh, I know you want to answer this question. That's easy. Kristen said, ditto. <laughs> I mean, we both went through the same same issues. Uh, you know, starting the business was tough. Uh, taking my entire life savings and putting it into marketing, and uh, put it in, and even when 2000 and uh, what was that, seven, eight, nine came around, came around, uh, it was difficult to continue to spend the money on marketing and, and to find new territory. Yeah. But you knew that the end result wouldn't be there. And uh, then COVID comes around, you still get that same ache in your belly, oh gosh, what's going to happen now? And you brace for it, but here we are at the other end of that, I hope, and, uh, you know, things are, are good. So I know that's not what you wanted me to say, Fred, but, um, I'll you know. I'll tell you this, the greatest, the greatest event in your marketing life was when you asked the question, I have Google reviews. <laughs> I think his biggest strike forward as one of his neighbors really was when Martha got involved in your business. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, your business just went boom because you had a woman out there talking to other women in their homes, and she was a peach. You know, <laughs> she really did a great job, and she had this kind of southern way about her, and people were just like, oh, and all the ladies loved her. I mean. Think about the difference. And, and, you know, granted, we had come out of, you know, um, the recession and things, but that was a really big point, a turning point, I think, from a neighbor perspective in your business. Yeah, sure. and, and the funny thing about it is she never wanted it. She never wanted to be in the business. <laughs> yeah. She said, no, I'm not, I don't have the right personality. I don't, 
you know, have the right background or anything like that. So it's through a set of circumstances uh, where she was working, uh, she found herself free and she decided to go ahead with it. And it was, ama- it was amazing to watch her that, that, that first day. It's like she knew everything. Yeah. She had such confidence that it, 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 I can't describe it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, she just took over. <laughs> so since I'm the one controlling it, I'm going to make one last comment. I got video of both of you, and hers were far more humorous. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com. And we're back. Now, now, Fred, I don't normally interrupt you, and I don't normally say because I'm the CEO. But right now I have to do that because you did not share your last five years, biggest challenges, and what you learned from it. So I think it's time to call you out, too. All right. Well, I have the Viking hat on, so that's fine. Um, as so, everyone knows we've had very few misses of shows uh, because I really hate missing shows to the point where um, everyone knows that, or anyone who's listened knows that in December of 2018, I had a massive heart attack and um, should have been dead, but the grace of God. And um, when the doctor was sending me home on Tuesday. He said, I, want you, I recommend you go home, rest, relax, and take it easy. And I said, Doc, I got a show to do on Thursday. And he said, <laughs> I recommend you, to, recommend you go home and relax. So after the show, I did. So the lesson was, no matter how scared I was that I was going to walk out and collapse again, I would not let fear run ro- ro- rule my life, that no matter what, I was going to put the Viking hat on and move forward through whatever brick wall I had to go through, under, around, or over. And obviously, everyone on this show is victims of that forward moving. (laughs) Is that good enough? Okay. Thank you. So, Ray, you got a question (laughs) you want to ask, or shall I ask the next one? Go ahead, Fred. All right. So we're going to go back into franchising. And that is, to our guest, what's one positive trend you've seen in franchising? And what's one negative trend that you've seen in franchising? So with this one, Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit Kristen, since she looks like she's seeing butterflies. 
which I really <laughs> wish I had that camera back on so I could do butterflies. Oh, well. That wasn't butterflies. That was just me processing. <laughs> <laughs> the good, the bad, the good, the bad. So right out of the gate, I would say, um, for me, it's one thing is both. And I know people are like, what? So I think the way in which we sell franchises has gotten better. I think the way in which franchisors write their agreements and, and have item 19, I think that's much better. Um, the thing I still don't like is that there are still some slimy franchises out there. There are still some brokers or consultants out there who, honestly, they just want to make money off the deal. And I have an issue personally even with what you call it, right? Like, so to me, you're helping somebody invest in their future, right? Oh, I know. Okay, but I don't want to be a salesperson. A consultant, yes. A mentor, yes. I don't want to do a deal. And too many people refer to them as deals. To me, this isn't a deal. This is like a really big thing, right? And so I think it's the same thing that has the double edge, right? The double edged sword. How we go about investing in franchises and the franchisor's role in it. The big plus side is really that the FTC has gotten more and more involved to make sure that everybody, or to try and make sure that everybody is operating above board. I like that. Andrea, you look like you're ready with a, with great answers, and, and you're coming well, from a franchise. I'm worried because I don't want to, like, I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm going to be honest about my feeling on this um, because I think the franchisee suffers, in my honest opinion. They get caught in the middle. So what I'm going to say is going to get hit with probably mean messages to me. Um, I do not like the trend that has popped up where some of the sales agencies, so they're working with various brands and they're representing brands and finding leads and selling to their, their salespeople. There's lots of them out there. And when they sell, they close a deal. They sell a franchise for a franchisor they're taking a tail on an ongoing basis. They're taking a piece of the royalty on an ongoing basis. And I really have a hard time with that because I think it is now a situation where there's too much potential conflict and there's not enough objectivity in that transaction and that franchisee is potentially going to get caught in the middle and not make a great decision for themselves. And so I think, you know, paying a commission is fine. It, it starts and it ends. But on an ongoing basis, there's just too much of an upside for that salesperson to close that deal. And I think that, that there's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to manage sort of what happens after that. So I, I think there's a lot of risk in that, and I think it hurts potential franchisees. So I worry about that for, for all stakeholders, to be honest, franchisors as well. Um, and I'm, I don't think it's done with ill intent on the salesperson side. You know, I don't think that they are trying to be greedy. They're also trying to make money, but 
It happens a lot. I've seen it over and over again, talking to different agencies. Um, but the positive trend, because I'm going to focus on that, is I think that because in part probably related to COVID, a lot of the um, ability for franchisors to have the same amount of people support the system has been compromised. And what I have seen um, being on the supplier side and being on the franchisor side is that there have been some great suppliers that have stepped up and really transformed into true partners for franchisors and franchisees. And I, I'm happy to share a list, um, you know, anytime if people want to reach out to me because there really are some great suppliers out there who have also taken, you know, former franchisors or franchisees who have gone to work with them, who have a lot of experience in the industry and can be like great guides to the clients and the customers of the suppliers. So um, I don't think I can say it enough. Like, you know, IFA is coming up and I, as a franchisor, I spent a big chunk of my time at IFA walking the trade show floor and getting to know the suppliers because you just learn so much. And the great ones are really like their, their advisors in a lot of ways. They'll teach you um, a lot and they, they can be true partners. So I think that the good suppliers have really even elevated even higher than probably like when I think back to when I first got started. I don't know, Kristen, you'd have a good perspective on that as a franchisee, but um, I think it's a real, it's very obvious who's great and who's, who's not now. Yeah, I think um, it was interesting when you when you say that. I, I immediately think of um, our hiring partner that we brought, that Neighborly has brought in, right, Paradox, and the things they're doing because of the labor shortages and how much is, now double-edged sword again, how much is going to be AI-driven. Don't to, go there. <laughs> to cut back on some of the admin stuff that you just don't have staff in your office to deal with if you're going to be handling client situations. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm really excited. It's just a matter of how many days I'll be there, but um, it, it's ever-changing and it's very exciting. I've never been more excited about franchising um, as just a franchisee than when we got involved with Pillars of Franchising and it's like this entire new universe opened up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Ray and Fred, opener of the universe. Hmm. Michelle, what about you? So as a as a non excuse me, as a non franchisee, uh, non franchisor, I'm on the outside looking in, but um, one of the negative things that I and again this is just from my obviously my perspective is seeing a lot of franchises get gobbled up by these big conglomerates and then that conglomerate gets gobbled up by another conglomerate. And I know that there are benefits to that in terms of probably, I would imagine, um, supplies, you probably get a better deal. There's probably group purchasing benefits and, you know, like what Kristen was talking about with uh, helping with hiring, you know, there's definitely some benefits that come from being part of a larger company that can get can get stuff, right? But at the same time, I know that it adds a layer of bureaucracy, uh, especially in terms of marketing, you know, things, it takes longer to get things done if there's mistakes made in terms of maybe uh, in the channel side, you know, with uh, a listing, let's say a Google listing, for example, uh, it takes longer <laughs> to get things fixed. 
because it's controlled by these higher conglomerates and, and you just, you can't get to the person you need to get to, you gotta go through different channels, right? So, and I think sometimes the brands, the brands themselves kind of lose that, maybe that hometown or that community-based feeling that they had when they started, you know? So there's, there's definitely some cons to becoming, I, I'm not real big on monopolies and, and big, huge companies and all of that. So, um, a positive that I've seen is, you know, and this is one of those gifts of the struggle, right? Uh, the pandemic brought a lot of franchise owners to a place of, oh, okay, we need to figure out a different way to market. How can we market more creatively? And what I've seen is a trend in using or having employees become part of the marketing efforts. You know, the marketing can kind of be put into the hands, and that can be challenging too, but be put into the hands of the people that are part of the day-to-day. -day. And mm -hmm. so that, that can be a really fun, exciting, um, engaging trend uh, that was really born out of the struggle, right? So that's a, that's a cool trend that I've seen. Elizabeth. Well, similar to Kristen, I have an and both answer. Um, as someone who advocates a lot for people who don't have a big enough voice in the world, I think the positive, and there's positive and negative, the positive trend is that the diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, everybody's getting on that bandwagon, which I think is a good thing. We've got strong ties with the Dallas Initiative and Carlos White doing really great work to bring in diversity into the Dallas and the franchising. Women are the ownership is increasing by leaps and bounds over the last few years. Um, there's even a number of Gen X uh, and Gen Y women outnumber men in seeking information about franchise um, buying, and so that's exciting. The wage gap in franchising is better for women than in other spaces. So I think I think the fact that Strides are being made. We've got a pride council with the IFA. So a lot of the voiceless have been given greater access to voice and decisions and, uh, you know, financial independence through franchising that, that seems to do better than, than a lot of industries at large. So, I, and, the, you know, the, the negative is that we need more people to get on board. But I think that the initiatives that, that all of these people are doing, both individually and collectively, um, is is a fun trend to watch and they're fun stories to tell and for pillars to be engaging with the Carlos Weiss of the world and trying to bring franchising into underserved areas of the country is, is something that I have always had a lot of passion for and it's fun that I can extend that passion through what I'm doing with franchising. Excellent. Ray, would you like to put your two cents in or Nick? Of course. <laughs> I think it's uh, fairly obvious. Uh, the biggest negative effect on franchising has been COVID. Uh, there been, uh, especially in the fast food industry, there's been a lot of businesses. Uh, you drive down the street, you see a lot of them closed down. And of course, you're wondering, well, what in the world would be the positive effect on, on, on something like that? And I think that you'll agree that uh, we in we interviewed many people who had to literally reinvent their business and it came out better 
because now they're more uh, communicative with, with the, uh, the people around them, the, 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 the new owners and uh, the franchisees and the Zors are, are getting more information passed and more teaching. So the Zor can easily now see a problem with the Z and they can deal with it right there because they can, they can see it. So uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, we had to go through this and it affected a lot of people uh, on both sides of, uh, you know, disease and Zors. Um, Ooh, you but on the other side, we, we see something much better coming out. All right, Ray. So I'm going to give you a shot to ask another question before we go to commercial. You got one you want to ask, or should I take us to commercial? Take us to commercial. <laughs> Okie dokie. What are the top three reasons that you should tune in to solicit franchising? One, franchise advice from a million dollar management team. And two, how about interviews with franchise professionals and influencers? And number three, how about getting some professional tips on buying, growing, and exiting your franchise? Join us on Solicit Franchising to learn about the secrets of franchising success. You can find us at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you live. You know, no one could escape a Pillars of Franchising without a down the rabbit hole question. I've missed it so much. So, as Kristen alluded to it, AI is our topic today. So, my question to all of you wonderful folks in franchising is this. With chatbot GPT out there causing hassles with, um, in academia and other places, what type of disruptions is AI going to cause for franchisees and franchisors? Ooh, yeah. I love these questions. Who wants to jump on that one first? Who said it was going to cause disruptions? It will. It always does. So go ahead and answer, Ray. Since you open your mouth first, you get the answer first. <laughs> well, I, I, I think as far as artificial intelligence and for our audience, just in case they are not familiar with that term, uh, it, I think it's going to be a, a benefit to to every business owner out there, whether they're zeros or it doesn't matter. Uh, I think that there, you're going to see efficiencies that are unparalleled because of artificial intelligence. Okay. I think the challenge, and, you know, I think AI is only as intelligent as whomever has granted the AI the intelligence. And so I think that the, the biggest thing to keep in mind is the same thing that we have to keep in mind in franchising at all times is whose voice is behind the AI at what point in time? Because that changes for franchising depending on what's happening. So there's the brand standard AI, which comes from the franchisor, and then there's that local, that local voice that comes from the franchisee that's really important 
and valuable to keep that customer connection. And I think that's actually the biggest challenge is separating out when AI uses those two different voices. Mm -hmm. yep. You make totally. me think of an old phrase, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. Who wanted to jump next? <laughs> I agree with Andrea. I think it also depends on what industry you're in. You know, maybe in fast food, it's harmless. Um, I think if you're doing medical type stuff, it can be very dangerous. Um, I, I always believe in the relationship behind the product, the relationship behind the service, because things are always going to happen, whether it's AI or whether it's, it's human, right? This, things are going to happen. But things are more recoverable if there's a relationship. And I don't see that a bot is going to build that relationship, right? When a lady wants to talk about how her husband is in hospice, what is the bot going to say? Oh, sorry to hear about your problems. Let me connect you to an operator. Like, what is that, right? And that's in a good scenario, right? Like, I'm sorry, I don't get your question. Like, is that those kinds of things that are in, in every phone call we make anymore, I can't get to a human. And lo and behold, 50% of the time, what I'm calling about isn't in the menu. <laughs> and then I get zero that says, I'm sorry, zero is not an option. But you bring up a really important point because part of the value of franchising is that you have someone local representing that market and that brand. And when AI is in the way of that, I've actually had that happen with franchisees where they're very frustrated because they actually want to talk to the customer and they can't bypass the AI to get yeah. to the customer. And that actually, you know, if we get to the root of the question is the problem with AI for franchisees. And, and it, it can be very brand damaging if there's not a way around it for franchisees to be able to recognize when something is compromising the experience and not adding to it. Absolutely. Because I always want to tell somebody, listen, if there's a problem, reach out to me. At the end of the day, I own this problem, right? You could call Waco and talk to, you know, neighborly, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to me. So just call me, right? And we'll get it taken care of. If you have AI, they, they don't experience that. You well, and to piggyback on what both of you were saying, you know, Jerry's story about the the woman whose husband died, the franchisee owner, and he ended up buying her out. At, say, from my lane as a as a creative and a writer in the marketing and the publishing, when you lose empathy and you lose the ability to have compassion, which AI can't possibly have, they can fake it, but they can't always have it. When you have, to Kristen, use her phrase of when you're a part of the fabric of the community, um, there may be things that happen in your local community that you need to respond to. Um, quickly with empathy or compassion or some kind of reaction. And when you're taken out of that process, you eliminate the ability to do that. So I, I think the, the spontaneity, the, the, um, the creativity, the empathy, there is an emotional component to relationship building. It's not just about getting the information I want now. That's, that's efficiency, but that's not a relationship. And so when you remove that part of it, I think that's where it becomes dangerous too which goes to both, both of you were saying and, and, and just takes it one more step in terms of that, because I think those are the reasons you become a franchisee, right? And those are the reasons people enjoy working or consuming franchisees products or services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there are there are definitely benefits. I've seen AI also work to help a business when someone isn't available, save a booking, and all of those things. There's just there's right. got to be. It can't be the solution independently. It can't be instead of. I guess it's got to be an amplification, but not an instead of. Yeah. It's as smart or as dumb as we make it. <laughs> but I love that that empathy tie-in because I think you're you're right. I mean that's that is one of the foundations of building a business mm -hmm. is, is having that that empathy to connect yeah. with the community. Well, and so. the humans are using the AI as a tool, like you're saying, to save the booking, to create efficiency, to do those things, and that's a really positive thing. But if you're using it, like you say, instead of then you lose all of those other components. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Michelle, any thoughts? Yeah, from a from a marketing and technology perspective, um, yeah, it, AI can definitely create efficiencies. It can really take away some of the kind of mind-numbing functions that humans have had to perform and and just you know again yes make it efficient but i also am uh paranoid i've seen you know from we do a lot of web development and we see spammers and scammers and hackers all the time uh just coming at you know very simple sites small businesses etc so ai uh can be a means unfortunately to damage a franchisee or franchisor um, through being hacked. You know, you can ruin a reputation very easily. A bad actor can ruin a reputation very easily by programming AI to start, let's say, creating bad reviews um, or um, creating posts that uh, on social media that uh, are very slanderous or whatever the case may be. And it's very hard to detect or track or figure out where those are coming from. So that's my, <laughs> that's my paranoid take on it. Um, but you know, what it is, it's here. So uh, we have to figure out the best way to protect ourselves and also the best way to utilize it um to our you know to our benefit so i don't think that's paranoia i think that's healthy skepticism healthy, yeah skepticism yeah <laughs> well, listen even even rosie at the on the jetsons she still got things wrong right yeah. she still yelled at the maid for getting things wrong so you can't yeah. think that it's all perfect but I, I think everybody remembers the robot data and what was his goal empathy more human all yeah. right so ray before we turn it over to Christian on the last final sunset to take us out of here, it's the five-year anniversary. I'm going to let you close. You start off. I'm going to ask each person for their words of wisdom after five years of pillars. I'm going to let you go first. I, I think one of the things that I get out of this show is knowing that we have helped at least two people that we know of <laughs> and uh, we and of course maybe uh, hundreds more that we are unaware of make a decision 
to whether what, what they want to do in the, with their future, whether they want to, you know, continue working for someone or want to buy a franchise or get in business on their own. Uh, I think this forum is uh, very valuable in that respect. Oh. Elizabeth, <laughs> five-year piece of wisdom or, or final thought or whatever you want to call it. Can you beat Ray? Can I beat Ray? Well, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at the Pillars team, there's not a single person on the team I don't trust. Um, there's not a single person on the team who I don't think has each other's best interests at heart. And I think that is the philosophy of franchising. And when you find a system that is aligned with your values and, and the things that are important and your goals, then that's where you need to belong. And so I think finding that team like ours, where you know the team and the system has your best interests at heart, that's the goal. And I think personally, one of, one of my lessons is trust your gut. I've, I've learned that every time I don't listen to my gut, I am very sad <laughs> about it. And so as, as someone who may be looking for a, a franchise, know, you know, you can trust your gut to know who you can trust and who's aligned with your values and listen to it. Michelle. I, five years is uh, an incredible feat. And um, I see a team of very dedicated, hardworking people that I think earlier in the show, um, Andrea was talking about just keep moving forward. And that's what everybody on this team and in this show has done. And that's really amazing. Five years, it's amazing. And like Ray was saying, helping people in the helping known and unknown people in the process to making a big change in their lives. Uh, and usually, most of the time, for the better. Creating a legacy for them and their families. So that's yep. pretty amazing. So Michelle, next time I go to tilt at a windmill, swing a baseball bat at my head. Andrea. Yeah, no problem. I knew you'd um, Building kind of on what both people said, um, I think what I have really learned and what I would leave for words of wisdom for others is just stay connected with the community of franchising. Um, there are just so many people who are willing to help um, and learn from, and I think it's totally unlike anything else that I've experienced in my career because even though everyone has such different types of businesses, there's this common thread of franchising. And so you're competing, but you're not competing, you're, you're collaborating. And when you think of it in a different way, um, it just opens endless doors for you. So just keep connected and keep connecting. And now to the only woman who's as demonstrably crazy as I am, the CEO of Pillars of Franchising, Kristen, <laughs> you're... Not quite final words, but your words of wisdom. Well, I have to say, like, living your passion, I think, is really important. And I will share with everyone that the one thing, as we invited people to join us as mentors on the show and in the company, the one thing that everybody said is, you know, I feel like I have been successful in what I do, 
And I just want to share that with other people. I want to use my experience to help other people. And it's been so great to see everybody so selflessly share and not to make money off people. That's not what it's about for us here. It's about making sure that we as a team collectively help people through the process. Andrea could not be more right on staying connected because truly the more you know, the more you understand franchising, the systems, the players, the differences between or why a franchisee maybe can't get something from a franchisor that they need or why they can't go outside a system to get a supplier. I mean, it's this wild web of franchise stuff. And I feel really fortunate that we've had so many people uh, want to be involved and we're always looking for other people as well because our goal is to have a well-rounded team of mentors from all different industries, right? And we've interviewed some great people and uh, we're kind of picky, right? Because we want to make sure everybody really matches with us. So in five years, I say, you know, Fred, you've done a great job building this team so far and we have to just keep going. The goal is to represent all of the industries, all the verticals to make sure that everybody has somebody to reach here at Pillars that they can relate to. Excellent. I, I want to thank everyone. Ray, the, the crazy man who said, yeah, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> Michelle, who was insane enough to be the first guest, our first franchisor, Andrea. Elizabeth, the woman said, yeah, I'm not doing anything better. I'll come work with you. And Kristen, <laughs> who in the emergency jumped in and then took over. I love you all. I've learned huge amounts of information from you all in the last five years. And the next five years, I intend to put it all use making your lives, well, interesting. Yeah, let's, let's put it that way. So let's take it to our famous final scene. All right. We want to thank y'all for joining us on the show today for our fifth anniversary celebration. We're grateful for your support, and we appreciate everyone who has appeared on the show, who writes for the magazine. Um, and I also want to thank the Pillars team, Fred Ray, who started this whole thing, got us all involved, um, Elizabeth, Jerry, Karen, Andrea, Laura, and so many more who work to produce valuable content each week for the show and also each month, for, or every other month, I should say, for the magazine. Thank you to our background team who works tirelessly behind the scenes. Here's to the next five years, and once again, I'm Kristen Shaw Messi, and together with the team, we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week. Time to rock out.